You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Hope your Monday's going well. If you're listening to us on the way to work on Monday morning, Sorry, we're all there. We go. We understand. But hey, at least you get to hear some Raiders talk on your way in. So that'll make your day much better. Scott Brands and Mo Moten with you here as we are all the time. We're coming to you on this special Monday show. Of course, we usually go Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday post game. But this week cuts coming up. So we wanted to get to this uh, 53 man roster to you on Monday. And then, of course, we will have another Wednesday show so we can go over the official final 53-man roster of your Las Vegas Raiders as we head into the season. Do us a favor. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. And you can follow the show as well at SNB Today as long as you subscribe. No, yes, subscribe for us here at the podcast as well as on YouTube. So thank you all for that. Okay, Mo, we're going to jump back in now and get right to it with your 53-man roster, which, again, people can find up on sportsnot.com. Mo, on the offensive line, and I'm, I'm reading here, you have the starters in order, uh, I think, of uh, left to right. Yes. Uh, Colton Miller at left tackle. John Simpson at left guard. Andre James at center, of course. Dylan Parham at right guard, which I agree with. I think they're going to go with the young guy. And Jermaine Illuminor at the dreaded, dreaded right tackle <laughs> for... The Raiders backups, Jackson Barton, Lester Cotton, Alex Bars. I agree with that one, too. Alex Leatherwood. Okay, take a deep breath, Raider Nation. I know a lot of people out there want him cut or (laughs) traded, and he may still get traded between now and tomorrow. Who knows? But anyway, he's there. And then injured reserve, of course, we know Brandon Parker and Thayer Munford, who hasn't been officially put on as of the recording of this show for Monday morning. But we'll see on that one. Okay, Mo, not a surprise for me that you had those folks there. We've been kind of talking about this ad nauseum uh, at that position. But this is the best, to me, the best guys they have right now on that offensive line to protect Derek Carr, to open up holes for those running backs, and to get this offense in high gear. And I've been saying this all season. It's not about when a person was drafted how much money he signed for. It's about putting the best five men on the field in the trenches to protect Derek Carr and to open up lanes for your running back. So the twist here was putting Dylan Parham at right guard. 
and I say and I call it a twist because he didn't play a lot of right guard during the preseason, but he played there for a whole year last year at Memphis. So this isn't a foreign spot for him. So for people looking at it cross-eyed, crossways thing, oh, Dylan Parmer, <laughs> right guard. He played there at Memphis. This is not new for him. Um, I put John Simpson there because I feel like even though he had a rough outing against the Miami Dolphins and Parm started over him at left guard in that game, Parm also started over him during the joint practices against the Patriots. But I think him having that year of experience under his belt works in his favor. And he's playing next to Colton Miller, who is the best offensive lineman in that group. So that'll help him out. Remember, Colton Miller didn't play in any preseason game. So that matters. Playing next to a guy who's experiencing pretty good helps out your younger players at, at other positions. So I think that's overlooked. But I think having John Simpson and Parham out there is a lot better than having Lester Cotton out there because Lester Cotton doesn't have the starting experience. He's been on and off the Raiders practice squad. He was a good story early in camp, but he kind of fizzled mm -hmm. out over the past couple of weeks. So, yes. again, you want to put the best five men on the field, and I think you take Parham over uh, Lester Cotton seniors. And also because Parham is the Raiders' top draft pick in this class, so obviously this current regime has high hopes and high expectations for Parham. And I, I, I still can't believe there's not a move in Coven. I think there's a move of some sort. I'm not saying it's going to be yeah. an all-pro right tackle. But they've got to go get a veteran. They got to get somebody that's like, okay, we're going to let Parham go. We're going to let Illuminor go. But you know, my confidence level with those guys, with all due respect to them, is like sixty percent. Right? It doesn't mean they can't do a good job, and that sixty percent means they will do overall an okay job. But I think if you can find that upgrade, and I'm sure there will be at least one guy on the waiver wire or available via trade uh, that we talked about with a with a draft pick swap, something like that. So I, I think that's definitely we're going to see either today or tomorrow that move. I mean, maybe Wednesday at the latest for the the Raiders when it comes to that offensive line. So so what do the kids say? Let, let's keep it 100 here. The only guy <laughs> we feel really confident in right now is Colton Miller. That's the yes. only guy we could say, OK, we feel confident he can handle his own over there at left tackle. Everyone yeah. else is kind of like, well, we feel good, kind of good about this guy. He has some upside. He has some potential, but we'll see. I feel strongly about Illuminar because, as I said in the last show after the Patriots game, changed his diet, changed his mentality, changed his approach, and I think you're going to see better results from him at right tackle. And I said weeks ago that he was the Raiders' best option in-house at right tackle. Now, I do agree with you. I think the Raiders still have to go out and get a veteran. I I'm going to say the name again for the 789th time. Darrell Williams is still available, and he could play right tackle and right guard. I also like Bobby Massey, who was in Denver last year, was pretty solid there. Um, some Chicago Bears fans feel different about that, but Bobby Massey was pretty good last year for the Denver Broncos in 13 games. So I think those are the two names you look out for as possible guys you bring in to play right tackle if you're not completely comfortable with the Luminari. But again, I feel good about Luminari. I think he's going to be fine as a placeholder in that spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and what scares me for the Raiders there is – uh, the specter of injury, right? If, if anybody gets yep. injured, especially early, and they don't sign somebody, again, I think the chances of them not going out and adding a veteran are, are slim and none. I really do. I'd be shocked if they didn't do that. Okay, now we're going to go to the other, to me, the other nerve-wracking... Go ahead, go ahead. Not, not, not to cut you off, Scott, but I, we cannot gloss over Alex. I know we talked about this so many times. But <laughs> you got to bring him up plan, again? Come on, Yeah, got to bring him up again. I, I okay. think the plan for him should be transitioning guard. him to right guard. If you're going to keep him and if you're not going to trade him or cut him, 
let him develop at at, at guard at the guard position. Some people push back on that, but just remember he played right guard early mm-hmm. in his time at Alabama before he moved to left tackle. Obviously, he's not going to play left tackle with Colton Miller there. Move him to guard and see what you get from him. Well, and I think Dylan Parham has done really well, but he's also a rookie, mm-hmm. so he could struggle. Right. At times, right. and if that's the case, you need somebody to go in there. So I think you have to have Leatherwood ready. So good good call there. Okay, again, back to the other positions <laughs> here. This is the one that makes me nervous a little bit, too. Interior defensive line. You have Bilal Nichols, Jonathan Hankins, Kendall Vickers. Now, Hankins-Vickers sounds a very familiar, like maybe in past years. And <clears throat> I think they're both solid players when you're looking at Hankins and Vickers. But we also know what the results have been with Hankins and Vickers, right? So they have their their specialty and they can do what they need to do. Bilal Nichols adds another wrinkle there, uh, but not a lot of push. You have backups as Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr., who played well, uh, especially in that last game against the Patriots. So so you're looking at this, um, and it's underwhelming to me, Mo. Even with the addition of Bilal Nichols, uh, it just doesn't seem as though, and I know everybody, Raider fans, they they message me all the time and they say, yeah, but Max and Chandler Jones. I said, yes, but you got to have the push up the middle. Not not only that, but also be able to, to control the run. It just worries me. If they had a guy up there maybe who's sitting out there on the waiver wire and wants too much money at this point, but hey, if they had somebody there, you got to have a threat up the middle. If you don't have a threat there up the middle – then they can scheme for those two guys. And it just takes away a piece that the Raiders really need, in my view, up front. Yeah, it looks under underwhelming on paper. Um, I have high expectations for Bilal Nichols. I think he could wind up being a pretty good football player, still very young in his mid-20s, I believe. The Raiders mm-hmm. paid him on a contract where he's guaranteed about you know somewhere in $8 million neighborhood. So they obviously think he could be a playmaker. I, I think he actually is going to play about two-thirds of the snaps, run and passing downs. What you're banking on with this unit is that Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler eventually come into their own as backups or reserves. And they help out with that pass rush and that run defense. As you mentioned, Farrell had a pretty good game against the Patriots, showed some signs of life, had an underwhelming beginning of the preseason, came on late. Matthew Bella even made a play. So you're hoping that those two guys grow and are able to expand their role through the season. Victor's to me is the wild card. I compared him to Danico Autry. And there's a chart over on Sports Not in that article that I have of the 50-man depth chart. And I charted, well, not charted, but Pro Football Focus charted his snaps. And he played snaps at defensive tackle, played snaps over the tackle and outside the tackle. So he's able to move up and down the defensive line like Danico Autry was able to do for the Raiders, like he's still doing for the Titans right now. And you see what Danico Autry is now. He's pretty much an above-average interior defender. But having a guy that could play multiple positions in Patrick Graham's scheme is going to be very valuable. And I think a Danica Archer would have been great for Patrick Graham. But, of course, again, he's in Tennessee. But I think you have a poor man's, if you will, Danica Archery in Kendall Vickers. Kendall Vickers was with the team last year, made a few plays here and there, nothing significant. But I think he can grow if he gets an expanded role. Yeah, that's true. Uh, great chart there up on that story, too, from PFF, uh, which I recommend you go check out most story on sportsnot.com to get that one as well. Okay, Mo, now we get to another position uh, of interest, and that is linebacker. So if we look at your projections, or excuse me, edge rusher. Sorry, I almost skipped over the edge rushers. Um, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, clearly. And the backups here, this is, this is to me one of the good, good outcomes 
from camp of, of guys that really stepped up. Uh, and and one was a surprise, but I mean, you look at Malcolm Kuntz, you have there, you have Cleland Furl, which we'll talk about, and Tashawn Bauer. We all know about Bauer, Kuntz. Farrell is a little bit dicey. He's very good against the run, uh, and we saw some of what he did on the interior, actually, in rewatching the game. Did okay. I, I was a little hard on him, but I thought that uh, when I rewatched it, I missed a couple plays where I thought he played well. So he's going to be a role player there, but I like this unit. I like the backups there with Kuntz and especially Bowers there. Uh, Bauer, excuse me. Um, talk about them and how they mesh together and how those young guys will be used in Patrick Graham's defense. Yeah, one of the revelations of the preseason training camp for me was that the Raiders have depth behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. They have Malcolm mm-hmm. Coons, who's had a great preseason. They have Tashawn Bauer, who's wrecking things during the preseason. <laughs> I think both those players are pretty good depth behind your starters. So underrated depth there. Of course, they're not household names. A lot of people not aware of who they are. But Raiders fans, if you've been watching the preseason, you know who those two guys are, Coons and Bauer. Uh, you mentioned Cleveland Farrell, and I think that's an interesting discussion because people have been asking, are the Rays going to part ways with him? And I think for the same reason with Alex Leatherwood, there's just so much money still tied to him. I believe the Rays would still owe him about $10 million in dead money if they cut him. There's just not there's just not much gain from that, and, and no one's probably going to give you anything significant for Cleveland Farrell. So keep him on the roster, rotate him between the interior defensive line and the edge. He uh, spoke about Patrick Graham's scheme basically say he, everything he he loves it so i'm like first i was like well you haven't played much in this game because you missed a lot of training camp Pharaoh <laughs> uh, missed from i believe july 28th to july 30th all the way up until the last preseason game against the patriots of course he did suit up for that but him coming back was probably him just getting his feet wet in the system and i do think the Raiders actually keep him because of the money tied to his salary and I believe he could have a good season for them. He's in a contract year, obviously, right? So he could he could mm-hmm. he could be it's he could motivation. be on his way. He could be on his way somewhere else. In fact, I probably believe unless he goes crazy uh, and and they want to sign him, but then then he'd probably be asking too much. And the experience, I think, is just going to mean that he's going to go elsewhere. But he's going to be playing for that contract. So so that's a good thing for the Raiders. And 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 you're already paying him, so why not just keep him there? So I know a lot of people thought about him maybe being cut. But uh, not going to happen, and I agree with you there. All right, on to linebackers. Let's show everybody uh, your linebackers here as we talk about it. Oops, as we talk about it here on Silver and Black today. <laughs> Starters: Denzel Perryman. By the way, I know it's preseason, but I like watching Denzel Perryman play. It's it, I can't wait for him <laughs> to get on the field. And Jayon Brown. We've talked about backups: Divine Diablo, Luke Masterson, the hero of the Patriot game, and mm-hmm. whoa. You got Darian Butler back on the 53-man mm-hmm. roster, thanks to Brandon Parker being on IR, at least partly. Mo, this linebacker core could be sneaky good compared to it have being a real, I think, Achilles heel for this defense in years past. Yeah, I like the youth there. And that and that yes. was probably the surprise of the depth chart, even when I did it, because if you've been listening to me, I was on the Darian Butler bandwagon saying he's gonna make the roster, he's gonna make the roster. Then I watched a lot of him, saw him miss a lot of tackles. I believe he's missed seven tackles through mm-hmm. the preseason, which is worrisome. But he's a young guy, and you figure over time he'll he'll straighten out his technique and he'll be better at that and miss fewer tackles. So when I was putting this together, I, I thought the Raiders aren't going to go into the season with four linebackers. I mean, it could happen, but I see them having five. And it was either Darian Butler or Curtis Bolt. 
And I'm not trying to down Curtis Bolton. Uh, he, he could be an asset on special teams. But I think Darian Butler's just his motor and just what he's been able to do all over the field. Again, he's missed those tackles, but he's also made a lot of splashy plays too. And I think that matters. And I think him having his former defensive coordinator, Antonio Pierce, on the staff also matters. I'm sure Antonio Pierce Antonio Pierce actually spoke about him during a presser recently saying he, he liked his development. So to me, that let me know that he's going to be a guy in the, in the coach's room banging the table for Darian Butler to at least make the practice squad. But because of the way the, the roster shook out, if the Raiders carry five linebackers, I think it has to be Luke Masterson and Darian Butler rounding out that group behind Perryman, behind Brown, and Divine Diablo. Nice group. To, to your point about the youth, that's what I like about it. I also like just the, the the Perryman being there with those young guys, too, is just such a great example for them. They're going to learn so much, I'm sure, from him and watching him play, too. All right, now well, we move. One point I want to make, though. Yeah. One point I want to make, though. Just like the Raiders acquired Denzel Perryman, you know, for, from the Panthers for a low pick, I wouldn't rule out them doing it again and getting another linebacker, and that could push Darren Butler off the roster. Because I think mm. Darren Butler is probably the 52nd or 53rd man on that roster. I wouldn't be surprised if they set the roster and then they make a trade, bring an offensive lineman or a linebacker or a safety or something of that nature, and then he gets booted off the roster and he has to go to the practice squad. Wouldn't be surprised if that happened to him. But for now, with the roster you see right now, I have Darren Butler making it. Especially one of those hybrid guys, safety linebacker types, you know, uh, that has become so popular in the NFL. And the Raiders really don't have as much as that as they'd like. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, now we're going to go to cornerbacks, right? So uh, we are going through the Mostradamus uh, 53-man roster projection before tomorrow's cuts. So we'll be able to grade Mo after this, which will be great. Um, At (laughs) cornerback. So here's one we'll talk about at cornerback, Mo, as we uh, flash up for people watching us on YouTube. Uh, your list starters: Trayvon Mullen, Rocky Sin, Nate Hobbs in the slot. No surprise there. Although uh, we'll see with the backups: Anthony Averett, Darius Phillips, and Sam Webb, who also had a great uh, Phillips and Webb. I mean, Webb especially late. Phillips, I think, a sneaky good camp, and then Averett, obviously, a, the the crafty veteran. I like that group. The only issue for me becomes injuries with uh with uh mullen uh can rocky sin be all that he can be and i think nate hobbs becomes a pro bowler this year so the two young guys there at cornerback might they have a uh, might there be a short leash for those guys when it comes to if they're struggling uh the the team the team going to the veterans behind them when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's the question about this group. Now, you have a bunch of guys that, not a bunch, but Averett, Rakyasin, those guys are, are in a contract year. Trayvon Mullen as well. So you have three of your top cornerbacks, according to me, going into a contract year. They have a lot to prove. They're still in their early years of development. Anthony Averett's only been a, a full-time starter for one year last year with the Ravens. So this is how I think it starts out. Averett is going to be your dime back. Mm-hmm. I think Darius Phillips position is very very important and here's why if let's say rock sin 
isn't what you thought he would be or Trayvon Mullen gets hurt. I think Nate Hobbs would probably line up outside because he did take snaps outside during the offseason, and they feel like he could play both outside and inside. So if Nate Hobbs has to move outside, who's your backup slot cornerback? And I think that's where Darius Phillips comes in, and I think that's where his value is there. But, of course, Darius Phillips can also play on the outside and the inside, but I think he's the primary backup slot guy. Then you have Sam Webb. And for me, I, you know, I like Amik Robinson. But he just didn't do enough for me during the preseason or this offseason to get for me to give him a roster spot over Sam mm-hmm. Webb, who I think was impressive for two games in his preseason, including the last game against the Patriots. I believe he was targeted eight times, only allowed five receptions for 30 yards and one first down. So he was targeted and he and he answered the bell on that one. He can line up on the outside if Rock Yassin or Anthony Averett or Trayvon Mullen struggle or are injured. So I think having him on as a sixth man on that roster is very important. But I think it all boils down to development. Even Nate Hobbs, who I, who we both think is going to have a great season, uh, young guys have to answer the bell and they have to step mm-hmm. up and develop because if they don't, there are guys behind them who could take their spot and get some significant snaps this year. And I think McDaniels, with where he comes from, He's not Bill Belichick, so I'm not going to go comparing him to Bill Belichick in style as much, but he did learn from the master, right? So he's going to – I just watched the time in New Orleans – or excuse me, in New England. There, you know, there was a quick hook. If you're not doing the job, just, just like they did in the preseason, you're going to move around. They're going to take somebody and put somebody in there to see who can get the job done. And if none of them can, they'll go find somebody, right? So, right. so I think that's what we're going to see with these guys is, look, you get the shot – and if you perform well, great. But if you don't, we got some guys behind you, and we'll go get somebody if we need to. Yeah, so this is a hot take alert here for the people listening. Whoa, whoa, if stop. Sam- <laughs> hot take alert. If if Sam Webb makes the roster, he is my Malcolm Butler. He's my guy that's going to – he's an undrafted free agent that's going to come from out of nowhere, and you're going to think, how did this guy – not get drafted mm. now he's from missouri western state so of course not a not a not a, a football factory so to speak but pretty much an unknown now he may go to the practice squad they feel he needs development but if he makes the roster i think he's going to make some noise missouri western state all right we go on to safeties no surprises here for me mo with your list of course starters jonathan abram trayvon morg and then at backups deron Harmon and roderick teamer which he's also good as a special teamer. That's one of the reasons I think yes. he makes this roster, right? So yes. so yes. no surprises here. Both Morig and Abram played really well. In fact, Abram was one uh, of the guys, again, with a quietly good camp. He really played well mm-hmm. because he's in the role he should be playing. And with that discipline and with Patrick Graham there, he seems to have responded, which is really, really nice thing. Yeah, the added... The added- Layer there is Patrick Graham isn't afraid to blitz, unlike Gus Bradley, who was one of the guys who blitzed the least among defensive coordinators over the past couple of years. But including the blitz in your in your defensive scheme helps Abram because then he's able to shoot the gaps and pressure the quarterback in the pocket so he can supplement your pass rush. And that's an added skill set that we didn't see a lot of with the previous regime. So I think that's going to really help him. Uh, reach his potential, but you mentioned it. it's pretty straightforward at this position. I don't think they're going to carry four safeties. Uh, not to make fun of him, but I'm sure Raider fans are just happy not to see uh, Levitt there on the safety depth chart because <laughs> people, Raiders fans have been wanting him to get cut oh. for, for ages, and Gruden just kept 
adding him to the roster or keeping him on the 50 man people are like how does levitt make it and yeah. well now he's not there i believe he's in green bay i believe i saw his name out there but he is and, uh, and pretty it, straightforward it, it got so bad with levitt with with raider nation that even they were laughing at the fact that they were obsessing about this guy which was funny. Then it became more of like an in, internal meme for Raider Nation yeah. uh, as time went on. But uh, no, good call there. So we're, we're through that. All we have left is special teams and a surprise here for Mo too. Mo has Marquette King unseating AJ Cole. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Shout out to Marquette. I'm just kidding. But I just wanted people yeah, to get nervous for a minute. Uh, but of course, Carlson, Cole, and Sieg, those guys aren't going where. They're the all-hair team now, too, as Murph mentioned on the post-game show the other night. Um, but the special teams, the kickers, we all know how good they are. But this special team struggled at times during the preseason. But the final two games, Mo, the integrity around lane control, uh, not allowing any big uh, returns, not that, that were that they were that many at all because of uh, how these games went. But nonetheless, it's good to see that Coach McMahon, on the, the new special teams coach, kind of got things in shape and got it under control. And so I think going into the regular season now, it looks as though they have a pretty good unit that's going to help them get better field position because in this AFC West this year, they're going to need it. Yeah, and I think Josh McDaniels mentioned it during one of the post-game presses that you, know, you, you don't want to simulate kickoff returns and punt returns during practice because you don't want guys getting hurt off of collisions. And I think over time, having that fourth preseason game was was good for the Raiders because their special teams got to run against other teams. So you didn't have to simulate everything. Your special teams unit got things together with their lane integrity and their tackles. So a lot of people bemoan and groan about, oh, preseason, preseason, including myself. But I think the Raiders having four preseason games really helped them get ready for the regular season against the Chargers. It did. It gave that staff, coaching staff, and the front office a lot of time to look at all sorts of things. Uh, an extra week is huge in the NFL, especially when you're talent evaluating, getting ready for the regular season. So there you have it. You have most Radamus's 53-man roster projection. We'll know tomorrow, Mo, if uh, how accurate you were there. I don't anticipate any surprises. The only thing I'll say, the only caveat there is if there's a deal done, around offensive line, you could see some of these guys going elsewhere or you could see them wave to be to make room for someone coming in as well. And then you have salary considerations too. So we'll see what happens. But always an, an exciting day because you're one step closer to the regular season. Also, I love watching the waiver wire and saying, okay, you know, because there's always surprises around the league, right? Doesn't that hasn't necessarily have to be with the mm -hmm. Raiders. It could be with somebody else. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, now Raiders Twitter because it's the most active team on all of Twitter, fan base-wise. <laughs> Every guy that is a star player that gets cut is not going to be a Raider. But if it's at a position of need, um, it's going to be fun to talk about. Mo, what should people look at? Is there anybody out there? Because you all weekend, you were busy all weekend working for Bleacher Report. Um, is there anybody mm -hmm. out there who might be a salary cut or some sort of surprise cut the Raiders should watch out for? The only guy I can really think of offhand is if the Raiders think they can salvage maybe a Zach Bond. I, I think Zach Bond, oh. who's played off-ball linebacker for the Saints, is going to be let go of or possibly cut because he came out of Wisconsin as, a, as an undersized edge rusher. I believe he's about 225 pounds. But the Saints tried to make him an off-ball linebacker, and it hasn't worked out for him. Former third-round pick mm -hmm. uh, a couple years ago. 
and he could be cut. He has the versatility, so he has some experience as an awful linebacker. Not great at it, but he can he can rush the passer. And I think if the Raiders want to add to the edge rushing group, because you can never have too many pass rushers, right? Maybe you give Zach Bond a call if he's available. But I, I don't of the other list that you'll see out there from me on Bleacher Report. I don't think the Raiders would be interested in a lot of those guys because I think a lot of the surprise cuts are going to be at wide receiver and running back simply because there's always a surplus of running backs in the league mm-hmm. because you can get an undrafted guy and all of a sudden he runs for a thousand yards wide receivers production can go up and down based on their supporting cast their quarterback where they're going are they the second wide receiver on the depth chart are they the third guy so a lot of the cuts are going to be at those offensive positions where the raiders are set running back room crowded wide receiver room talented so i'm looking at the defense and the offensive line and i think the raiders i could see if i would have set an over under for the raiders making trades i would set it at two and i think it's possibly they can make two trades possibly for offensive tackle offensive guard maybe you bring in a hybrid safety slot cornerback mm-hmm. as you said maybe a hybrid linebacker safety but i think they're going to add to that offensive line group and i think they're going to add somewhere to their defense and that's why i would say two trades the raiders make between now and week one against the Chargers. I'm going to say one to two trades and a free agent signing of significance. I'm not saying it's an yes. Indomitian Sioux or anybody like that, but it's going to be somebody they're going to be able to get off of free agency that's been sitting out there not wanting to go to training camp because we know there's a bunch of those guys <laughs> out there. And uh, so so I, th- I think we're going to see that too. I think they're going to pull every lever they can to improve at those positions of need, interior the defense, the offensive line, and even at linebacker. Uh, or safety, like you said. So it'll be interesting. And tomorrow's going to be fun. We will be ready. We'll have our popcorn ready, <laughs> getting ready to go and seeing what these Raiders do. But uh, it's it's that time, Mo. It's time to get ready for the real football, right? It's time for the regular season, and we're going to be right with you here. Now, when we talk next, we're going to know what the 53-man roster is. We'll go through that Uh, and give you our reaction and what it means for the Raiders. And hopefully, just to make it fun, hopefully there will be a a deal or a signing uh, that's unexpected that we can also do that. But, uh, Mo, I know you're going to be busy tracking it all for for Bleacher Report and Sports Not, so we appreciate you taking the time again, my friend, and going through this story because I thought it was great. You know, I I don't do 53-man rosters. I'm like, Mo did one. Let's get on the air because we got to talk about it. I know everybody was excited about it. So uh, it's, it's it's go time, brother. Yes, yeah, definitely go time. The next time we watch a Raider football game, it will actually count for the people that say preseason doesn't matter. Well, that talk is over. It's going to count. <laughs> uh, injuries going to come out. Injury reports are going to come out. So we're going to know about the nature of some of these injuries, including Thayer Mumford, who we didn't talk about a lot today. But I think right. his his status is going to be very important because if he if he moves to the if he moves to IR, I think the Raiders have to get another tackle. If he's not on IR. Then I think the Raiders try to wing it with Jermaine Illuminar in the meantime, and maybe they bring him up during the season. They are Mumford. Look out for him. Could be a seventh-round pick that exceeds expectations. Yes, and just think, then we'll get past that. That'll be our show on Wednesday, so make sure you come back to, to Mo and I on Wednesday. We'll talk about the whole rosters uh, for not only the Raiders, but we'll in the second half of the show, we'll touch on the rest of the AFC West. Was there any surprises there? Did any of those teams make moves? My guess is that they will because the co- the competition in the division is high. The competition in the AFC is pretty stellar. And so I think you're going to see some moves throughout the conference as well. So we'll get through all of that. Mo, we will talk to you on Wednesday. 
And it'll be fun. Final last <laughs> It will be fun, and uh, we'll definitely be here, and we'll see how Mostradamus did on his picks. All right, brother. I'll talk to you in a sec. Uh, okay, here we go. We are done for your Monday, so make sure that uh, you subscribe to the podcast. We certainly appreciate you being with us. Hopefully, we helped you get your week off to the right start, right? Getting ready for the Raiders' big roster moves for the 53-man roster and for the 20,000, or excuse me, 2022 regular season. I appreciate you guys. being. It's Monday. You got to give me an excuse there for uh, flubbing my words. But anyway, enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. We will be back here on Wednesday to talk about those rosters. Raider Nation, be good to one another out there, and we'll talk to you next time.